What's up, everybody? This is Brandon Barnes, and I want to welcome you to episode number two of the Grit and Grow Show. But first off, I just want to give a huge shout out and thanks to everybody who reached out and listened and gave feedback and just it was it was amazing I have wanted to do a podcast for a long time I've always enjoyed it I've enjoyed being on podcast and it was just really cool to hear from friends and family and uh, some people that I didn't even know would listen to it and yeah just extremely grateful for it and I appreciate it and I thank everybody and and hope that I can put out some episodes that people enjoy listening and again uh, just have a good time doing it so today is episode number two we plan on getting it on all the platforms this time I learned a little bit more about how to put it out there and so it will not only be on Spotify but it will be on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and anywhere else that you can listen to your podcast I also tried to do it with YouTube, but I was having some trouble with the camera and the battery and a couple things. So I ordered a, what they call a dummy battery that plugs into your camera and allows it to kind of just run off of a DC adapter the entire time. So, uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, episode three, I will have this on YouTube as well because my goal is to bring guests on and, and, uh, I think, you know, if you're going to sit here and take the time to record one, why not press play on your camera and have it on YouTube as well? So today's a very special episode. I am uh, going to talk about goals and the way that you frame goals. And I'm going to talk about one specific goal that I had for 2022 and how it's changed for 2023. So... And currently, as of recording this episode, we are six months out from this said goal. So to dive right in, I signed up for an event last year called 29029 Eversting. For those of you who do not know what it is, it is a 36-hour endurance hike. So... Basically, at 6 a.m. on Friday morning, you start hiking, and you do not stop until either A, you have reached the equivalent elevation of Mount Everest, or the 36-hour clock winds down. So, the way it's done, we were in Salt Lake City, Utah. Our mountain was roughly... 2.2 miles in distance and about 2,200 feet of elevation per mountain climb uh, up, vert up, I don't know, kind of tongue-tied on this, uh, but ascent, that's it, ascent. I don't know why I couldn't think of that word. So basically you start at the base, or I say the base, you start at the base of that particular mountain. And I think we were about 7,000 feet is where we started. It was either we were five and went to seven or seven and went to nine. I don't remember that off the top of my head at this moment. But basically you started 
you hiked up, you took a gondola down, and then you repeated. And your goal is to do that 13 times. So I signed up for it in October of 2021 with the mindset of I'm going to really challenge myself and push myself to try something new. I was big into Spartan races. I had recently, or that year, had accomplished uh, getting the Spartan trifecta. Had run eight uh, obstacle course races, I guess you could call them, and in the distance of 5K, 10K, and half marathon, along with all the obstacles. We traveled around the country. It was a blast. Did it with friends. And so my next step was to try to figure out something that challenged me to the next level. One of the people that I follow, I really uh, enjoy watching and have worked on trying to build my life in a similar fashion is Jesse Itzler, who is the founder of 29029. And so I saw him hiking and I was like, this looks really cool. And I was working out six days a week, really getting into some of the best shape I'd been in since high school. And, you know, to me, this just seemed like the next step into something cool to do. It was adventurous. It was traveling. It was in Salt Lake City, Utah, or a snow base in Utah, I guess. And I didn't know anybody. I was doing it by myself. So I was getting out of my comfort zone from a sense of, of meeting new people. And I was getting out of my comfort zone in a sense of something that I was unsure if I could complete. And so the trophy or medal or item that you get for accomplishing this amazing feat is a red hat. So the only way to get the 29029 red hat is to complete your summits. And so in this instance, it's 13 different venues are less or more. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you still summit the exact same amount of feet and elevation. So I signed up for it, started training, started getting ready. And then all of a sudden, sometime in January or February of 2022, I got this crippling feeling on accomplishing this goal. And something that I've worked on in therapy is not allowing these difficult challenges to be placed on such a high pedestal that you don't think you can achieve them and you give up. It's not a great characteristic to have, and it's something that I really work on. And so I put this red hat, I pumped myself up, I was so hyped up. I put all this pressure into earning the red hat, and instead of rising to the occasion, to the pressure, I went the opposite direction. And I, and in my mind, I was like, oh, I can do Spartan races, and I can do this. And if you, if you time out the race, I think you can walk at like 1.3 miles per hour and accomplish it. And so I told myself this story and went the opposite direction physically. So for the next, let's see, January, February, so six or seven months, 
I trained but not trained how I should have and my nutrition was extremely poor to the point I wanted to quit. I did not want to go to the mountain. I was ashamed of myself for spending the money that I spent to book the flight and the hotel room and buy the gear and sign up for the race and did not prepare myself the way that I should have. And finally, I, I ended up hiring a trainer to try to get on track, but I was I was pretty far behind in what I needed to do physically to accomplish said goal. I did not know this, but I, I had a feeling. So then about July... So we we left in August for the event. So about sometime in July, I tried to change my mind and reframe it and be like, whether I accomplish it or not, my goal is to go out there and give it my all, which is what I tell my kids. It's what you should do in life. It's not about uh, where you finish, what place you finish, finishing, any of that stuff. It's just going out and giving it your best effort. And so I, I, in therapy, kind of reframed it to that, and it took a lot of work to get there. So, But I didn't know, I didn't plug into the community. I didn't have any friends. I had no clue about nutrition. I had no clue about, I mean, I just went in it as unprepared as you possibly could be. And by no means am I an ultra-athlete who can just show up and climb 29,000 feet of elevation without trying. But I had convinced myself, you know, I've done Spartan races, I've done this, I've done this, I I can do it. So I finally pack up. I didn't, I didn't pay for my flight until sometime in July. That's how much I'd considered backing out of it. Booked my flight and said, it is what it is. I'm going to go out and do my best. So I flew out there. And ended up, we have this uh, network, Mighty Networks, and basically everybody in that was signed up for Everesting is in there, and they have the ability to communicate. And I got to Utah, and somebody put on there that they were looking to do a kind of like a 5K walk if anybody's interested. And I was like, you know what? I kind of have some time to kill. It was a full day. I flew out there a couple of days early to get acclimated with the uh, altitude because obviously Charleston is on sea level and Utah is not. And so JP was the first person that I met. Uh, amazing. I still talk to JP to this day. One of the strongest people I've ever met. I'm excited to see her in a couple months again at Everest. Um, but anyways, it was funny. I was talking to my wife. And I told her, hey, I'm going to go on this run slash walk with somebody else doing the Everesting event tomorrow morning. And she's like, and my wife was like, do you know this person? And I was like, nope, I have no clue. I don't even know what she looks like. And she's like, well, please, when you first see her, ask if she is a murderer. Legit, like legitimate question that she wanted me to ask. So then JP and I set to you know go meet up at 8 o'clock the next morning at one of the hotels and then Brad, a third person, uh, comes in and says, hey, I'd love to meet you guys as well. 
So we all meet up the next morning. It was Thursday, no, it been Wednesday morning. And we go for this little 5K walk. And it's funny, we're walking on it, and every single one of our significant others wanted to make sure that we asked the other person if they were all murderers. So I guess, um, with everybody saying no, it's a good thing, but it was, it was crazy to think that it never even crossed my mind to do that and then how other people uh, think differently about it. But anyways, they have become, uh, JP and Brad have become two of my favorite people. In fact, Brad, I have a bracelet on right now, and I bought it for both of us on the Thursday before the race. And I don't know the name of the bracelet, but it has a white bead at the top and a black bead at the bottom. And basically the white bead is a sign of positivity and happiness. And it is water from the highest point of Mount Everest. And then the black bead is a sign of sadness and being low and is water from the Dead Sea. And so basically kind of which way it's faced is how you're feeling. And it's funny, my mind flips to black a lot and I have to remember to turn it over. But I bought that for him and so him and I have a special connection there. We ended up going to Antelope Island, I think, and, and really bonded and it was really fun and it was kind of the check mark to why I do these things and get out of my comfort zone is because I met people that I would have never met, amazing people, and built friendships and relationships that I hope to last uh, forever. So then we go out, we do our run, Brad and I hang out, go to Antelope Island, have a great time. And so then Thursday morning, I guess there's a tradition for a lot of people that do the Everesting event to go eat at a breakfast place called, I think it was called Critters, is where we ended up eating. And that's where I met my other two friends from this event. And this is where it all kind of starts to to really work. And so um, that's where I met Sam and Beth. Uh, amazing, amazing people. Uh, they were there. They were much more uh, prepared for the event, but everybody was but, but me, I feel like. But, uh, but anyways, we ended up becoming friends and had breakfast together and headed up to Snow Basin, Utah for where the event is going to start. And you get there and it's this amazing ski resort. The lodge is beautiful. And then you go to the base of the mountain that you're going to climb. And I guess this was when they did the uh, Olympics in Utah, whatever year that was. This is the mountain that the Olympic skiers ski down. And I took pictures and videos and and stuff, and it does does not do it justice for the the start of this mountain and watching it go up. And so we ended up meeting some other people and have a good time and, and there's guest speakers and they're teaching you about mindset and that, you know, race your own race. Don't worry about your red hat. None of these things. And it's easy to say, you know, it's easy to be like, I'm just going to go out there and give it my all. But then you see people that have their red hats on. They people tell you about their red hat stories and they, and it's this you know, fraternity that, want to be a part of 
and f- for nothing of of vanity reasons, but in a sense of just uh, an accomplishment of doing something hard and completing it. And so, I'm, I mean, it, they pump you up, and then Jesse is the keynote speaker for the event. Amazing presentation about just just giving it your all and trying and not giving up and and the mindset that it takes. You know, they try to to say, you know, what's the difference between us and Connor Brady, who also one of the founders of the event. It's like if Colin's head was on your body, do you think he could complete the event? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So then you start start thinking, all right, I just got to get in the right mindset. So just pumped up, excited, try to go to sleep (laughs) Friday, Thursday night, impossible. I think I'm getting like three and a half or four hours of sleep, just just pure excitement. And we get up to the base of the mountain at 5.45 after breakfast and showers and all that stuff. And we're standing there, and it's hot, it's early, we're tired. There's hundreds of people with headlamps on. It's pitch black. And Jesse is just giving his speech, motivating everybody. And they're playing Eminem, uh, 8 Mile is the song being played. And when he's done giving that speech, you feel like you can just run through a brick wall. And then all of a sudden, 6 a.m., the race starts. And in my mind, I'm like, I can do this. It's 2.2 somewhat miles up. 1.3 miles per hour is your pace. If you walk at 1.3 miles per hour, you'll finish. And that counts for gondolas and everything else. So I get about halfway up the first, as they call it, kicks. So the mountain has three kicks. And what that is is that you're... As you're walking up, it's kind of the steepness, and then you get to an aid station. So you have kind of kick one, aid station, kick two, and then kick three. And then each of the kicks had their own difficulties. So the very first one is right out the gate of the mountain. You climb, I think it's like a 1,000 feet of elevation in 0.7 miles. So straight up. I get about halfway up in my mind. I'm like, this is going to be a long event. I mean, I'm 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in. And it's just, you know, it is what it is. We're here to do tough stuff. And so we, I ended up getting through the first summit in a little over two hours, I think two and a half hours. And so I'm like, all right. I did it in two and a half hours. That puts me at about a 32 and a half hour pace. So that means I have three and a half hours to sleep, eat, and ride the gondola. And the gondola is about 20 minutes. And so 20 minutes at 12 gondola rides is another four hours. So two and a half hours is about it and so I'm like all right (laughs) this is gonna be this is gonna be tough so I get through one I go down 
And it's crazy, like, the emotion that you feel just getting through the first one. It's 8.30-ish in the morning, sweating, tired. All you think about, I'm going to get that red hat. And as you get to the top of the summit, they have the hats up there, and you can see it all, and you're like, this is this is what I'm doing this for. I grab some food, hydrate, go down the gondola, and the biggest thing that they taught us is make sure you turn right. And so when you come down the gondola, you take a right, you brand the board. They have this kind of like cattle branding with the Eversting logo. Then you go up to your lane, and you brand it, and like, all right, I've done the first summit. And you have a lady, Colleen. She's the voice of the mountain. Amazing. The inspiration for so many people. She's talking and positive energy and pumping everybody up. And she knows everybody's story. It's It was amazing the way that she worked and orchestrated uh, base camp and just how good it felt to come down and get off the gondola. And so I take a right, brand, right back up the mountain. And I think Sam and I on on number two, I think it was two, Sam, who had had breakfast with Thursday morning, her and I walked together for a little while, and then she ended up, I told her, I was like, don't, don't wait on me, uh, just head up. And so summit number two kicked my ass. I am sore, I'm tired, I think it took three hours, two hours and 45 minutes. And so just slightly off pace. So then I go and do, um, yeah, so I go down, I brand, and I think I went and got, no, I did one more. So the third one, this one I met up with Sam. And... At that point, I started to realize the red hat was was slowly coming out of feet. So I I, I finished summit three, and here I am. I don't know eight hours in now. Two four yeah probably eight eight and a half hours in. It's it's uh you know what two o'clock in the afternoon three o'clock in the afternoon. Three summits in, body is beat up. My knees hurt, my quads hurt, my back, just not conditioned, not ready for the kick in the teeth that I just went through. (laughs) And I had 10 more of these to go. So I go down, I get some food, I go to the recovery lounge and try to get some KT tape and some work done on my knees. And so I go up the fourth ev- um, ascent, and there are times when I'm going up, I can't even lift my legs. Like I have to kind of swing them out. And the best way I can describe it via audio is if you had a full brace on your leg and you just swung it out to the left in front of you and then swung your right leg out to the right, and that's the only way that I could advance the mountain with no pain. So I ended up, I walked with Sam for a little bit again that time, and she was starting to feel a little bit of pain as well as, as pretty much everybody on the mountain. And I ended up meeting a gentleman by the name of David from Tampa, uh, 
amazing dude was there with his daughter and he was a heart attack survivor and we both he was there to do i think he wanted three ascents i think it was two or three is all he was he was there to support his daughter and then get a couple of cents and so him and i walked i think it took us like four and a half hours to do maybe five to do this fourth ascent and we just talked and got to know each other and had an amazing time. And the way we did it is we started changing the way we thought about the mountain. And it was we would we would pick points, 10 feet, 5 feet, 20 feet, depending on the elevation. And instead of thinking of the mountain as 2,022 feet of elevation, we thought about it as 10 foot. And it was just 10-foot chunks at a time, 15-foot chunks at a time. And a lot of times you hear that in life and business, you know, losing weight, making money. You know, you're not going to go from zero to a million. You're not going to go from, if you want to lose 50 pounds, you're not going to lose it all at one time. It's like, what little things can you do to help accomplish your big goal? And so for those five hours, him and I just walked the mountain, started to get dark, and just, you know, became friends. And the and and watching somebody who had just recently survived a heart attack coming out and trying to do something this challenging was ultra inspiring. And that's when, you know, it started to to sink in a little bit that everybody's goals are okay to be different. You know, he didn't sign up for this event to get the red hat. He signed up for this event to support his daughter and live up to a promise of a hike that him and his daughter were supposed to do. And he couldn't do it because of his heart attack. So we get up to the top of the summit and I just, all I can remember, I I took a really cool picture a sunset, just cliff behind us. It's it's so cold, covered in sweat. And I remember we had a cup of ramen, cup of, cup of noodles. And it was the most delicatessen, delicious, five-star ramen I've ever had in my life. I was so hungry. I was so tired. I was so cold. I was defeated. And then we rode down the gondola and, and chatted and, and then got to base camp and I had dinner. And at that point, I think it was you know, maybe 10 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night, I decided that that was all my body could do for the day. And honestly, it was pretty emotional. I broke down, uh, you know, crying, disappointed, negative talk in my head. You know, and a lot of it stemmed around how much money it cost and also, you know, kind of putting myself out there saying I was doing it and feeling like I'm letting down my kids or my wife by taking time away from them to not be able to accomplish something that I wanted to accomplish. So I went in, I got my recovery kind of stretch done, got my knees taped. And went and took a shower and went back to my, my bunk or teepee or yurt, whatever it was called. 
and uh, I went to sleep. I didn't set my alarm. And honestly, when I was laying in that bed, I had quit. I, I had no intention of waking up the next day and getting back on that mountain. So uh, 5.30, 6 o'clock comes around. I wake up. You're starting to hear the rustle of other people who had slept. And so I wake up, and I'm laying there, and just, again, laying there in my own pity, uh, depressed. Uh, this self-talk, just incredibly terrible. And finally, I, I was able to work up enough courage and fight to say, I took the time to drive out here or fly out here away from my family. I know that I'm not going to get my red hat. I know that I'm not going to climb the top of this mountain nine more times in the next 12 hours. But I'm going to go out here and support all the other people who did. So I threw on some sweatpants and a hoodie and some shoes and walked into the the ski lodge kind of base camp. And there was Beth and Sam hanging out at breakfast, looking and feeling the same way that I felt. The difference is, is the two, these two amazing women had fought through the night and had definitely put in a better effort than I had. But nonetheless, we still felt the same. And they were eating breakfast, and, and we all kind of, without saying it, said it, that we were pretty defeated. And we're just eating breakfast. It's kind of quiet. And I don't know who said it or how it started, but all of a sudden, maybe it was Sam, I don't, or I don't remember exactly who, but we came to the agreement you know, this is like 7 o'clock in the morning now, we came to the agreement that we all, no matter how sore, injured, tired, beat up, whatever we were, we all had the ability to climb up the mountain one more time. And all of a sudden, like, you kind of felt this really cool energy, or at least I did. And uh, so we just said, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's, let's just go up one more time cameras out, phones out, let's take selfies, let's tell jokes, let's tell stories, let's um, let's just let's soak it in, let's enjoy it, that's all it is, it's nothing more than, uh, than that, so I go back to my, my room or whatever it is, and I get changed, and I come back, it's like 7.30, and we're like, all right, time to go. So, and we had met up with uh, a third person, Jessica, who was going to do it with us. So it was Beth, Sam, myself, and Jessica. And uh, we're like, we're going to do this literally one more cent. That's it. We were done. We start walking up, and um, <laughs> yeah, the first the first kick is just brutal. There's no there's no other way to describe it. And we are walking up the mountain taking selfies, just 
again, we're going to enjoy it. We're smiling and telling stories. And we get up there, and we get to aid station one, and one of the 29029 coaches or leaders is with us. And then there was um, a lady who had not slept the entire time and was on ascent 10, I believe, when she met up with us. And her name was Tracy. And so we aid station one. She's by herself. 10, 11, 12, 13. She might have been on 11. I think she had completed 10, and she was on 11. And, man, if this thing was on video, it'd be tripping out because my uh, light just fell off my desk and some, like, scary movie stuff going on. So, anyways, we we met with her, and she goes, hey, do you, do you mind if I tag along with you guys? And, and we're moving pretty slow. So we're like, yeah, sure, you can hang out with us, chat with us, um, but don't let us – hold you back like don't let us hold you up from accomplishing what it is that that you can do because she had 11 12 and 13 left and she was going to get her rep half and we get halfway up from aid station one to aid station two and we get this feeling that our goal and mission for this event had changed yes we were going to have a good time but for some reason, we were placed on that mountain at that time to be a part of somebody else's journey to help them accomplish something large. And I looked at Beth and Sam, and I told them, I said, we have a mission, and our mission is to help Tracy get her red hat. And no matter what it takes, we're going to stay with her until she gets the red hat. And the life that came back into us, the energy, the just the joy that the surge that came back once we reframed our goal and made it about just being the best that we could and giving it all that we had, like truly, it was easy to say in the beginning, we're going to, we're going to give it the best we can, but we put this hat on this pedestal and it, it felt it just it didn't feel real. Where in this moment, we felt that if we gave everything we could, we could help accomplish somebody else accomplish their goal. And it was amazing. We we went up ascent eleven with Tracy. I, now, mind you, we were the three or four of us were done. We were like, we're doing one more ascent. We get up to the gondola. And Tracy gets in her own gondola and lays down. That's her only sleep is the 15, 20 minute ride down. And Beth and Sam were, um, were in the gondola with me. And out of nowhere, I was like, I'm, I'm going to go back up. And so I think Beth had hurt her ankle or her, or her foot. And Sam had hurt IT band, I think. And so, I mean, we were all, we looked like old people. And then we made a, we made a plan, and the plan was I would go back up with Tracy for Ascent 12. They would go get recovered. And then when I came down with Tracy, 
then they could go up with her on Ascent 13. And so we could we kind of split up. And the goal was to you just just be there for her. Um, you know, obviously she had to do the work, but just to be there for her. And so we we came down the mountain, got some food, took a right, branded, and boom, it was Tracy, myself, one of the coaches, and then we ended up meeting another person um, by the name of Amber, and she ended up, she was on her final ascent. And so Tracy, Amber, myself, and I think it was Coach Trish was her name, uh, we walked up that mountain and just told stories. I think the funniest thing that we did was was try to guess what herds of different animals were. And as I'm doing this podcast, I should have written some notes. I don't remember any of them, but you know, it'd be like, what do you call a, a pack of giraffes or different things? And we took this mountain legitimately 10 feet at a time. Tracy and I, I would say, hey, Tracy, how far can you go? Can you go to this rock? And the funny thing is, like, sometimes we didn't even know which rock it was because there was 50 rocks. But then you did kind of know. It was it was this weird kind of energy. And then there were these little white things uh, kind of or uh, like little sticks. We'd walk to those and legitimately 10, 15, 20 feet at a time, we would go and walk and then stop and walk to the next one and stop and walk to the next one and stop. And as I'm walking this mountain and just watching somebody, watching what it really was like to see somebody give everything they had was incredible. You know, um, for somebody to not have slept, to really not have had time to eat and take breaks, and just push for this to to be a part of that was the feeling was amazing. And no matter what pain or feeling or thought I had, it, it didn't matter. It all went away. And we got to the top of 12 and I could legitimately could not walk anymore. (laughs) And so we, we get on the gondola and we go down and again, Tracy's in the gondola in front. I'm in the next one behind so she can lay down and get some sleep. And I just, I, I FaceTime my wife just crying and she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I've met this really incredible person and I'm watching her do something amazing and I want to be there to help, but I, ca- I can't go any further. My leg, and it, it wasn't that I couldn't get back up the mountain. I didn't want to risk holding Tracy up because of how slow or me, to, me getting hurt. If it had just been me and my own accord, I could have just gone up the mountain. So I called Beth and Sam and let them know, hey, we're on the way down. And so they meet them. And I got to the base of the mountain. It was an emotional wreck. I have no clue why. But 
it was just such a powerful and fun adventure that we went through and watching this person push. And so then Beth and Sam went up the mountain with Tracy and Trish and I went into the recovery room and got my knee worked on. And I was like, I don't know what to do now. You know, it was 20, 30 minutes. And so I rode the gondola up to the top of the mountain and waited and was going to wait. And then I got there and I was like, I, I, I can't, I can't just sit here. So I started walking down the mountain and there was this one, I think Sam called them like snowblowers or, or I can't remember. It was something funny she called them. But when you got to the last one and you hit the fire road, um, I, I got to this point and I knew that, you know, if I saw them by a certain point, we could, you know, Tracy was going to do it. And I just remember sitting there and watching and encouraging and high-fiving every person that passed me on that mountain until all of a sudden Tracy and Beth turned the corner. And this will just show you how amazing, you know, the people that I met and around are. Sam, hurt as well, fell back and helped another person get up the mountain. And so it, we, it just, I, it's hard. Like I just have goosebumps and and the way I feel. And so I see Beth and not Beth. I see, yeah, Beth and Tracy come up and I meet them at the fire road and walk with them up the fire road. And it was so cool to see Tracy finish and get her red hat. And then 10 minutes later, see Sam come up with, the person that she helped, I believe, also got their red hat. And seeing that and reflecting upon it and just being a part of it made me learn and understand all of those analogies that were taught in life that, you know, how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time. In business, you have lead and lag measures. And so, you know, your lead measures are what you do every day. And if you accomplish those, then you end up hitting what's called your lag measures, which are your bigger goals. And I've never been that great at visualizing them and understanding how it worked. And being part of it, like in real life, like living it and seeing it it work made me understand how to take that and apply it to other things in life, business, uh, my relationships, uh, my marriage, anything that I want to accomplish. It's like, all right, if you want to do X, so if we want to make a certain amount of money this year, if I want to get better at training and you think, all right, my goal is to do this. What things, what tiny steps can I do every day that will help me accomplish this big goal? How can I take the mountain 10 feet at a time? Don't worry about the, the end goal, the end accomplishment. How do you just move 10 feet at a time? And so I weighed back and forth on on whether I should 
sign up for everything again. Again, it was an expensive uh, endeavor. It was difficult, um, but I, I changed the way that I did goals. I changed the way that I looked at life, and I changed the way I looked at that event. And so I'm excited to announce that I did sign up again for 29029. August 16th, I believe, is the Wednesday that I fly out to Salt Lake City, Utah. And I think the 18th is the Friday morning that I start. And I'm putting it out into the world now to let everybody know that I'm going to have a completely different experience, outlook, and feeling at Eversting this year. Yes, at the end of the day, my goal is still to get the red hat. But that's just a byproduct of what's going to happen when I do all the things that I'm supposed to do between now and August to hit that goal. The runs, the nutrition, the working out, the mental work, the flexibility. That's what the real accomplishment is is going out and becoming the best version of myself that I can over the next six months to allow myself to just enjoy, embrace, and give truly give this event my all. Is it something that I am 100% positive I can complete? I can't say that with 100% certainty. But this year, I can say that it is something that I will be as prepared for as my body will allow me to be prepared for. I will be as prepared for it mentally as my mind will allow me to be prepared for. And I believe that if I do those two things, prepare my mind and my body to how they should be prepared that I stand the best chance at accomplishing this goal. And so the lesson that I want to pass on to everybody is that if you have goals, whether they be financial, physical, spiritual, family, uh, health, set the goal, understand what it is, but really spend time understanding what steps you have to take that by doing those steps makes that goal impossible not to achieve. And that's where the real magic happens is it happens in the journey. It doesn't happen in the actual moment because on August 20th at 6 p.m. Regardless of red hat or no red hat, I will have a completely different outlook and feeling on my own effort towards this event. And that is all that matters. Yes, it was amazing. I, I feel like I was put on this earth to help other people. That is my why. It's what I 
it's what I just, it's what brings me the most energy. And I think I needed the first experience at Everest to really help understand who I can become and what it's like to really become that person and, and to see, you know, somebody really put in the effort, unlock their human potential and the reframing that it did for me was amazing. And so I put this out there six months from now. I want everybody to um, stay tuned. We're going to do a special Grit and Grow Show podcast from Snowbase in Utah. Uh, JP, Beth, Sam will all be guests of the show. And I... I'm going to be super excited for that episode. I'm already looking at it, visualizing it, understanding it. But for those of you out there who have achieved things, failed things, or struggle to understand what, why, or what is holding you back, I challenge you to look at how you look at the journey and not as much the goal. And how do you make the journey as if you were to do this one thing or these set of things that by doing those, the results are almost impossible not to to receive. And so with that, that is the end of episode two. I appreciate everybody out there and listening to my story. I... I'm so thankful for the people that I met and the friends and relationships that, that came from that weekend. And I encourage y'all to go out and do hard things and, and challenge your mind and your body. And, and it's amazing what's on the other side of that. So everybody have a great day. Stay tuned for episode three. Talk soon.